Hi, this is Jordy Dereniak, and this is episode three of the Basement Sports and Entertainment Podcast. I am your ho- I sorry, I already introduced myself, idiot. All right, I'm just going to start today's show by going over a couple quick news bits. Uh, the uh, As expected, the L.A. Clippers and Kawhi Leonard are expected to stay together. I haven't seen details uh, yet on the contract, but... They're going to stay together. And another not-so-surprising piece of news, uh, Kevin Durant, just he's going to sign a four-year, $198 million extension to stay with the Nets. Huge payday for him. And speaking of huge paydays, Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills quarterback, signed a six-year deal worth $258 million, $158 million guaranteed, that's $43 million a year uh, uh, in terms of average per year. That's a huge amount of money, and that would put him second in terms of highest-paid quarterbacks right behind Patrick Mahomes, who is at about $45 million. So, yeah, that's, that's a big deal, and... I, I think they rushed a bit to do this extension, and I'm not trying to talk poorly about Josh Allen. Josh Allen was great last year. However, they had again, they have again, had again another year to. They could have waited to the end of this season to do the extension and sign him, and I think that would have been a more wise decision. Because so far that he's only shown one good season as a passer so far, and as far as pro football focus grades in 2018, his rookie year, his passing grade was 33rd. In 2019, 31st, and this last season, 2020, he shot all the way up to fifth. Huge improvement, and that goes along with. In terms of 2019, and this could uh, help explain a part of why he struggled, pass blocking was 18th, receiving was 24th in 2019, but then this last season, his pass blocking graded 5th and his receiving graded 3rd. However, here's another thing about Josh Allen. He holds on to the ball for a very long time. His average time to throw last season was 2.99 seconds, which was the fifth longest. And in 2019, he held on to the ball for 2.93 seconds, which was the fourth longest time. And he was also, uh, as far as a non-pro football-focused stat to go along with that, football outsiders had the Bills 5th in adjusted sack rate last season and 23rd in 2019. So again, he had big improvements in his surroundings. He went from being poor to elite, but he also holds on to the ball for a very long time. So you got to wonder if maybe if he got the ball out quicker, maybe his protection would have been a little better. But hey, it's okay. They got it figured out. But again, only one good season as a passer, and they had, and Brian Dable made a very their offensive coordinator made a very smart decision heading into 2020. In 2019, the Bills had a very low play action rate, 
But then in 2020, Brian Dable dialed it up to 34.4%, which was the fourth highest in the NFL last season. Very smart decision. And I think that's a big reason why Josh Allen was able to break out the way he did. He was incredible last season. I, I mean, again, fifth in passing grade, it's it's it was just awesome to see. But again, you'd like to see two seasons of it, not just one, before you make a huge pay, uh, give a huge payout to him. And I know, I know, Bills fans love him and all that, but still, I think it would have been in their best interest, especially because what if he does go out there and he's not quite what he was this last season? Then you gotta wonder, hey, was it worth paying him just a couple million under a couple million a year under what Patrick Mahomes is getting? Cause you have to keep that in mind too. And Josh Allen, while good, is not as good as Patrick Mahomes. I think something more like forty million would have been better. I mean, I know it's only three a year difference, but I still think it's lower enough to where it it, it would have been more realistic it's more it was a more realistic number in my opinion but um uh today's episode not talking about josh allen we're gonna do a big 12 preview like i did on monday with the acc wednesday with the big 10 and this is a conference where again unfortunately it's been dominated and run by one team and that is the oklahoma sooners They are winners of six straight Big 12 titles going for their seventh this season. So, yeah, that's the situation there. And it looks like there's one true contender, or one true contender who can actually knock them off. Maybe a second, but I feel like it's asking a lot, and we'll get into that when when I get to that team. But I'm going to start by breaking down the Oklahoma Sooners. They were 9-2 last season, and they beat Florida 55-20 to in the Cotton Bowl. And Oklahoma's got a great team. They have not just the best quarterback in the Big 12, but quite pro- probably the best quarterback in the entire country in Spencer Rattler. And then they got receivers like Marvin, Mim- Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss for him to throw to. And then dynamic running backs like Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. I think it's a very, very good thing for them to have head into this season. And they also have three starters on the offensive line returning, nine on defense. This team's got a lot going for them. They really do. And Lincoln Riley's been a great coach. He's gotten them to the playoff, multi- college football playoff, multiple times. But they haven't been able to be a team who can actually get to the national title game. But they're getting closer and closer, it seems. Is this the year? I don't think it's the year they do that. But I do think it's a seventh straight Big 12 title for them. I think they're too good and... I think their competitor, two main competitors have too many question marks. As far as PFF ranks, the Sooners uh, receiving core ranks first, O-line first, D-line first, and secondary fifth. 
And to go with all that, and again, having the probably the best quarterback in the country, their running back core ranked second in the Big 12. And so again, this team's just loaded, especially when it comes to being in the Big 12. It's it's just, it's again, the Sooners are they're better than their competition. They have the best coach, coach in the conference, but we'll see because Steve Sarkeesian came in at Texas, and we'll talk more about that later. But for now, Lincoln Riley should be known as the best coach in the Big 12. And a couple big games for them are at Kansas State and when they host Iowa State this season. Those are the two teams they lost to last season. They play at Kansas State this season, and being on the road, they got to be very careful. Do not look past them. Be be aware. This is a team that can knock for them that can knock them off. So it, it's it's something that they they need to really emphasize. Hey, let's make sure we take care of business. And then Iowa State beat them in the regular season, but the Sooners would get revenge in the Big 12 championship game, 27-21. to And I think being at home for that game, I like the Sooners a lot. The at Kansas State one's the one where I'm concerned, but at the same time, they're more than good enough to where they can definitely at the same time blow out Kansas State. But the Iowa State game is one where I think it's going to be close and competitive and and tough. As far as the Sooners' play-action percentage last season, it was 47.4%, which was 8th in the country. Their screen percentage was 19.7%, 18th in the country. Deep percentage was 20.5%, 8th in the country. All great marks and all great things and one of the reasons why Lincoln Riley is such a great offensive mind and why he's produced quarterbacks the way he has. He had Baker Mayfield and and Kyler Murray back-to-back Heisman winners and number one overall picks in the draft. Jalen Hurts was was in the Heisman running when he was quarterback and then he went in the draft in the second round, I believe it was. So Lincoln Riley knows what he's doing with quarterbacks. It's it's one of those things. And Spencer Rattler was incredible last season, and now this season coming back to start again. It's 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 just is really really nice to to see. see. If you're a Sooners fan, you have to have a lot very you you have reason to have very high hopes if you're a Sooners fan. Because this could potentially be the year they are able to get over the hump, win a playoff game, and get to the national title game. Because again, they got nine starters back on defense, and their offense is loaded. But we'll see. And their EPA per uh, pass play last season was 0.267, ranking 13th. EPA per run, minus 0.008, ranking 43rd. So they threw the ball great, could run the ball a little better. We'll see what happens with that this season. But their passing game is great, and it's going to likely improve next season because you also have to take into account the offseason was odd because of all the chaos with COVID-19. And, yeah, yeah. so I think with a full offseason, you're going to really see the Sooners team show off what they're made of.
As for Iowa State, the Sooners' biggest threat, they won the Fiesta Bowl 34-17 last year over Oregon and finished 9-3 overall. And they bring back Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and Charlie Kalar on offense, which is which is nice because Brees Hall is a great running back. Charlie Kalar is a great tight end. And Brock Purdy, he's an experienced quarterback, but he's, he's kind of up and down. And one of the reasons why it's tough for you to actually rely on Iowa State to be able to pull off the upset of the Sooners last season. Because let's be real, they were in the position to really take advantage of it last season when they beat the Sooners on their, ho- uh, on their home turf. But now... But then they lost the Big 12 title game to Oklahoma. It felt like last season was the year for them to take advantage of it. And this season, having to go to to Norman and play the Sooners, I I don't know that they can do it. But they do got some things that are going in their favor. Uh, PFF ranks their receivers third, offensive line fifth, DL fifth, and their secondary third. So those are all great things going in their favor. And they're going to need to play at a very high level if they want to win the conference. And they got their two biggest games early in the season. They host Iowa, their in-state rival. Will they be ready for a tough physical football game early in the year? They're going to have to prove it. And then, of course, playing at Oklahoma on the road, having to go up against a team with an explosive offense and returning a lot in defense. We'll see what I, if Iowa State can handle them. As for Iowa State, they returned five starters on the offensive line and nine on defense themselves. And those are two incredible things for them to have. So it really gives you a lot of reason to think they should be able to run the ball very well and their defense should be good enough to where they again have a shot against Oklahoma. It's just a matter of can Brock Purdy step up to a level where you can be like, okay, hey, I believe in this team. I really think they can pull it off. And their play, there's, and the reason I, and I like that. And another part of the reason why I think their offense or why they're not as likely to do it is their offense, I don't think, is going to push Oklahoma's defense enough. As last season, their play-action percentage was 46.1%, which ranked ninth, which is great. But their screen percentage was 10.4%, which was tied for 92nd. And their deep pass percentage was 14.5%, which was 95th not good they need to get more screens and more deep balls in the game it, it it they just need more going it's it's about giving the defense as many things to have to worry about as possible if they know they don't have to worry about the deep ball they can just sit on the run and the short game and that's that's just not good you want to get better it you want to do better than that as far as their EPA per pass play last season, it was 0.176, which ranked 31st. And their EPA per run ranked 0.010, which ranked 33rd. So those are solid marks. But I think if they, again, increase their screens and deep passes, I think they can really take it up another level and actually push Oklahoma's defense in the way they need. 
And then the last team I want to talk about is Texas. Are the Texas Longhorns going to be back in the next few years? I actually do think so. I like the hire of Steve Sarkeesian a lot, as I previously mentioned. And he he really does give Texas fans a lot of reason for hope. But it's probably too much to ask for him to lead them to a conference title in his first season. But he's a brilliant offensive mind. And it's it's worth wondering if maybe he can coach this team to the Big 12 title to a Big 12 title. We'll see that but again that's asking for a lot. Last season Texas went 7-3 and had a 55 to 23 Alamo Bowl win over Colorado. But they're they if they're going to win the Big 12, they're going to have to perform when it, it they're going to perform over the course of the whole season and be able to handle Oklahoma and win in the Big 12 title game. That's what it's going to be about. And for Texas this season, they got two huge games. Obviously, the Red River rivalry with Oklahoma, but they also play at Iowa State, and that is a tough game. And those are two games they could very well lose in the regular season, and that could very well knock them out that could should right there knock them out of the Big 12 title contention if uh if they do in fact lose those two games and and they and that's why again I say it's a little much to ask for Steve Sarkeesian to get the job done in year 1 it's it's just yeah and then as far as what they got on personnel they, in terms of big names, it's not, it's not a, they, they, it's not one of those teams. They don't have a lot of big names, but their running back, B. John Robinson, he should be pretty good. They got four starters in their O line coming back. They should hopefully be able to get some push up front and open up some holes for him. And their quarterback battles between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. We're going to have to see who wins that and whoever wins the job. We're going to see how fast they can grow and develop during the season. That will really help determine a lot how far this team can go. And then they got five starters on defense coming back. That's not a lot, and so we're going to have to see what they can do on that side because we have seen in years past them just get gashed on defense, and that's again another reason why it's tough to expect a big 12 title in year one the defense has question marks the qbs are a question mark and they got tough games like at iowa state and of course playing against oklahoma the margin for errors small it and that's that's not ideal for uh for this team as far as their pff ranks their receiving group ranks fifth o-line third D-line third and secondary eighth. It's great that they rank that highly in the trenches and that's a solid rank for their receiving group uh, but we need to see what what Steve Sarkeesian's coaching can do for this team. It's really, really, really that simple and as far as what Steve Sarkeesian does and why and why he's such a good hire I'll, sh- I'll read you off the numbers. Their play action percentage was 
when Steve Sarkeesian, these this these numbers are from last season when Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive coordinator, play caller for Alabama. Here's the numbers on that. His play action percentage was 45.9%, which was 11th. Screen percentage was 20.5%, which was 16th. Deep pass percentage was 14.8%, which was 91st. All of that's great except for the deep. You want to push it down the field more, but I also wonder if that had anything to do with maybe he didn't want to throw the ball deep a lot with Mac Jones. I don't know. But again, uh, Steve Sarkeesian produced two first-round draft picks and great college QBs and two attack of Iloa and Mac Jones. So he's he's a proven he's a proven quarterback whisperer and play caller. And as far as the EPA per pass last season, or uh, when uh, from Steve Sarkeesian's season at Alabama last year, the EPA per pass was zero point five two five, which was first in the country. And per run, it was 0.132, which was sixth in the country. And that's compared to what the Texas Longhorns got for results last season. EPA per pass of 0.160, And EPA per run of 0.037, which was 23rd. Very different. And that's the other thing. Is Texas is a place where Steve Sarkeesian is going to be able to recruit? And that is huge. And especially with the news that the... Longhorns and Oklahoma will both be going over to the uh, SEC starting in 2025. That's huge recruiting news for them. And for Steve Sarkeesian, if he's actually the guy to turn them around, there's a lot of great things. They they have the ability to recruit and will be in a read, have access into that SEC territory to where they could become an absolute monster and very much and make their fans very happy. And then, of course, the other big news of the week for the Big 12. I just want to, because I, I realize I forgot to mention at the beginning, but this is Big 12 related, is the fact that the Pac-12 Big 12 met earlier in the week and discussed even the possibility of a merger of the conferences, which for them makes sense because the Big 12 is likely to die without the Longhorns and Sooners, and the Pac-12 knows they would be next to die if the Big 12 dies. So, I I can see why why they would want to potentially merge. All right, that's uh that's all I got for today's show. The Big 12 is not a very complicated conference. Oklahoma's the king. Iowa State can maybe do it, but do they have the quarterback? We'll see. And uh, yes, check out our website, basementsportsandentertainment.com, and it's the word and spelled out, not the symbol. Um, we have a lot of great articles on there my, from myself, Joel, and Nicole. If you read, go on the site, you'll see their articles as well. It's all great content. Please check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you think on there. And, uh, yeah, thank you for lis- uh, listening, and have a great night.